Hi, this is Tom Field with Information Security Media Group. We're here today to talk about background checks. And speaking with us is Les Rosen, attorney and president of Employment Screening Resources in Nevada, California. Les, thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Give me a little bit more on your background. I mean, I know that you've done an awful lot with background checks, but, but you've, you've authored some important material on this as well. Well, certainly, uh, Tom, I appreciate that. I am the uh, the author of the Safe Hiring Manual, which is the the uh, first comprehensive book on pre-employment background checks. I've written a number of articles on the topic, and I had the opportunity to be the chairperson of the uh, steering committee that founded the National Association for the Background Screening Industry called the National Association of Professional Background Screeners and served as, as its first chair. So I've been involved in this whole area of doing background checks for well over 10 years now. Now, let's talk about financial institutions in particular. How widespread are background checks today in, in financial institutions? Well, as we know, since financial institutions are regulated, and, and, and of course, depending upon who your regulator is, it's very widespread because uh, regulators will require that. Uh, a financial institution that's regulated by the FDIC, for example, uh, needs to be concerned with not hiring uh, individuals who have certain that are covered under Section 19. And uh, those are people that a, a financial institution, in fact, is prohibited from hiring. And in 2005, the FDIC issued a guidance uh, called Pre-Employment Background Screening Guidance on Developing an Effective Pre-Employment Background Screening Process, available on the web, uh, where the FDIC clearly encourages financial institutions to engage in background screening. So it's very widespread, and in order to comply with Section 19, we find that most banks, at a minimum, are doing different checks of new applicants, and uh, most organizations are, are doing much more uh, in the nature of verifying past employment, uh, verifying education, verifying credentials, and trying to do everything they can to make sure that they're not hiring that bad apple that's going to cause uh, identity theft or some sort of fraud or uh, somehow cause problems for a financial institution. Now, the question I always hear is, who should be subject to a background check, and is anyone exempt from it? Well, the, the general rule of thumb is that uh, you should really uh, know who you're hiring, and uh, you're presumably, if you're uh, in a financial institution, not hiring people that aren't doing anything of value. And uh, the short answer is, you, to some degree, you really need to background screen everyone. Now, that's not a self-serving answer as a member of the background industry, but it's a very practical answer. Uh, every single person that you hire uh, has uh, some access to uh, financial information, to perhaps cash or assets, to, to uh, confidential private information that ought to remain secure. Uh, even individuals that might have uh, positions that, uh, that may be somewhat um, lower in the chain of command uh, can still hurt you, and uh, there's always the, the problem of workplace violence and the, the, the whole host of issues that regular employers have. You add to that that as a financial institution, uh, folks are trusting you with their money and with their private information, so there is a responsibility. Now, that does not mean that every single person has to be screened at the same level. Uh, a, an institution may well decide to screen a person at a higher level, at the executive level or the VP level, uh, more intensely than they might uh, someone who's at, at an entry-level teller. 
uh, and, and the basic rule in human resources is that similarly situated people ought to be treated in a similar fashion. So it's perfectly acceptable to do uh, a more intense screening for higher level employees. But the, the trick is that all tellers should be screened the same, all executive vice presidents should be screened the same so there's some consistency. But as a general rule of thumb, if you're hiring someone and they're in your organization uh, and they could somehow hurt hurt you in the sense of, of somehow a theft or dishonesty, well, you need to know who's there. And by the way, that also extends not only to your W-2 employees, but it also extends to independent contractors, people who come to you uh, from a staffing agency. And frankly, that level of due diligence also applies to vendors, uh, people that come to your institution at night in order to do cleaning. Uh, what do they have access to? Who are they? So due diligence and risk management is something that has to be thought out through the whole organization. Oh, good point. Les, what are the primary areas that you're generally asked to research when engaged in a background check? Well, the, the first area of concern to most financial institutions is whether or not a, a person has a, a criminal record. And obviously, uh, depending upon who regulates you will depend upon what type of criminal records are prohibited and what you need to consider. Uh, the, the Section 19 under the FDIC tells us, uh, gives us a, a certain list of folks you cannot have. Uh, a lot of banks search the criminal records by means of the fingerprint. Uh, which typically means uh, going down to a local police department or a local sheriff's office and running the prints. And fe obviously federally regulated banks, the FDIC, do have access to the FBI database. Um, some banks, however, will do local criminal checks, either because they want checks to come back faster or because fingerprints uh, or fingerprinting is too expensive or not as convenient. Uh, in addition to the criminal records, the next area of concern is whether or not a person is truthful and honest and accurate about their employment. And we know from a number of surveys that uh, in the HR world uh, that uh, employers can expect that up to 40% of your applicants will be submitting applications and resumes that belong in the fiction section of a bookstore. Wow. Uh, where, well, and, and it's incredible all the time. Uh, the, the, the top lies that we see or, or, or exaggerations perhaps as people will promote themselves. They'll, they'll, they'll tell you they were a manager or in fact it turns out they never managed anyone. Uh, they'll, in, they'll inflate their salary in order to bargain for a greater salary or they'll try to hide uh, employment gaps uh, and they'll, they'll give you dates of employment that aren't quite accurate. Uh, sometimes a person just wants to hide employment gaps just to help them get a job. Other times it's slightly more sinister. Uh, we've seen numerous cases where people have hidden employment gaps because they were in custody. Uh, they were in jail, basically, and they didn't want to, that to be known. So verifying past employment and knowing where a person has worked, particularly knowing if they have worked at another bank and if they did well at that bank, is critical for a financial institution. Uh, another area we see quite commonly is verification of education or a credential or a license, uh, again, to make sure that someone is being honest and truthful uh, in the information that they're giving you. Uh, another area that, frankly, banks need to be very concerned about in all financial institutions is whether or not an applicant is on any type of financial sanctions, terrorist, or disbarment list. And there are, of course, the five disbarment and sanctions lists that are recommended by the FDIC, uh, the Board of Governors of Federal Reserve, the, the FDIC list, the National Credit Union Administration list, the Office Control of the Currency, and Office of, of Thrift Supervision. They all have sanctions and disbarment lists, and those can easily be checked either online or through agencies that can check all five databases at once. 
Um, and finally, basically, the FAC, which is the Office of Foreign Asset Control, which is the, the primary terrorist database for the United States, along with numerous other databases that are available as well. Those are all things that are, are easy, very quick to do, easy to do, uh, relatively inexpensive compared to the risk involved, and perfectly legal as long as banks and financial institutions understand uh, that this is a legally regulated area. Uh, under the uh, Fair Credit Reporting Act, so we simply need to make sure that um, all of their uh, their forms are proper and that they're working with the Fair Credit Reporting Act and having consent and disclosure. Sure. Now, Les, what are some of the the common traps that you want to avoid when doing a background check? Well, the the uh, some of the big traps we see uh, is number one is if a financial institution is not in legal compliance. That is going to increasingly cause issues. Uh, lawyers are becoming more aware of the federal FCRA, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, as well as state laws. And so it's very important to dot your I's and cross your T's. It's not complicated. It just requires some attention to make sure you're doing it right. If you're working with a reputable background firm, the background firm should be able to assist you. Any labor attorney should be able to assist you as well. So that's an area of concern. Uh, another area of concern that we're seeing with uh, employers and, as well as financial institutions is over-reliance on criminal databases. And it's very important that for banks and financial institutions to understand that when it comes to searching criminal records, and if you're not using a fingerprint uh, system, then you need to do an on-site check county by county and to be very careful of using the so-called national databases uh, that are sold as very inexpensive tools, but they're not really a national criminal database. It's a national compilation of available criminal information, but it has lots of holes in it. It's valuable because there's a lot of data, but it's not complete. The other area that we see that is going to become a problem in the future uh, for all employers, in fact, is um, the, 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 the interplay of discrimination laws with employment screening. The EEOC, which administers the nation's discrimination rules and fair housing and fair employment rules, along with various state agencies, has become very has become very concerned recently with the plight of people who are ex-offenders who have uh, done the crime but paid their time and now are unable to get jobs in society. Now, of course, if you're regulated, such as uh, regulated by the FDIC where the FDIC tells you there are certain crimes that uh, where you cannot hire the person, and then by federal law you, you cannot hire that person. But where we're going to see some action in the next few years uh, in, in, in this area are individuals with lesser offenses who are being shut out from the workplace who may claim that they're the subject of discrimination. So what we advise employers is very carefully to consider any criminal uh, violation you find. And thus, it's prohibited by a statute where the law says you can't hire the person to be aware of the EEOC analysis that basically says if a person has a criminal record, in order not to hire the person, you must establish whether or not there is a business justification uh, for that type of person with that type of criminal record not working for you. And uh, very simply, the EEOC says to take a look at the nature and gravity of the crime, the nature of the job, and how long ago the crime occurred. So if a person, for example, was convicted of a, let's say, driving under the influence a few years ago, but they're not driving for the financial institution, well, would that be a eliminating factor? Well, probably not. But 
that's going to be an issue for banks to be very careful that other than uh, a, a situation where the law says a criminal of conviction is, is a disqualifier, to not automatically assume that anyone with a criminal record cannot be employed. Yeah, a question. So I'm sorry. Oh, so those are the areas that, uh, that, that, that we want to be careful about. Now, that's a question that always comes up. I always hear it from the institutions is to insource or to outsource, and they're always sort of tossing that around. What are the key areas that they ought to consider when making that decision about whether to keep it in-house or to go to outside expertise? Well, the, the, the key thing to keep in mind in any type of outsourcing decision uh, is whether or not a particular task is so core uh, to your function that you need to necessarily keep it in-house or whether it's a task that although critical is not your primary expertise so that other people can do it uh, much more quickly uh, and, and cheaply and uh, very very efficiently. Uh, with pre-employment background screening is the, one of those areas where most employers will typically outsource. Uh, there's a point at which extremely large employers might bring it back in-house because they would have the, the, the financial resources and, and the expertise and the incentive to do it. But most employers find that these type of human resource functions uh, are, are, are often done uh, on an outsourced basis because an outsourced company has the resources, the specialized knowledge, the software, and the pre-existing expertise. So that not only applies to background screening, it may apply to benefits, it could apply to a whole host of things that although could be done in-house, the question you always have to ask is, do we want to divert ourselves from our mission to do something that someone else can do very easily, or is this so central and core to our mission that we're going to spend time, energy, and resources to do it? And quite frankly, when most institutions, these type of human resource services uh, are to uh, consider the pros and the cons, uh, it's, it typically ends up being outsourced, at least most of it. Uh, some financial institutions will keep part of it in-house. They may want to do the employment verifications themselves, and the reason is they may want to talk to past supervisors although they may, they may well outsource other aspects of it. So sometimes it's, uh, it depends on, on the actual task and, and what the bank wants to do. Um, it's, not, it's all or nothing. Some banks will actually divide that up and uh, keep some in-house and send some out outside. Now, this is a huge topic. I know we could talk about it all day, and there, there are tons of questions. But if I had to ask you for a single piece of advice that you might offer to an institution that's just starting to engage in background check, what advice would you give to them? Well, the, the first advice I would give the financial institution is to very carefully analyze uh, what, you, what you're doing and not doing. Uh, there, there's two traps for the unwary. The first trap is for the unwary is if you do nothing. Uh, then you can easily find yourself the, the subject of a negligent hiring lawsuit or a lawsuit for based upon some act of misconduct. Uh, after all, if you hire someone who either knew or should have known the exercise of reasonable discretion was dishonest or, or not fit for the job or violent or had a poor history of theft, and they come into your institution and they steal someone's identity, they steal cash, they create a hostile workplace, they hurt a customer or a coworker. Well, you're going to have, as they used to say in the Lucy show, a lot of explaining to do. You have to explain to a jury uh, why you couldn't be bothered to uh, to make some reasonable inquiry into who you're hiring. So the first bit of advice for financial institutions is to make sure that you're doing something and to clearly understand that you have an obligation to exercise due diligence in your hiring. On the other hand, uh, you don't want to do go too far. 
Uh, one example of that is some institutions uh, debate whether or not they should run personal credit reports on, on, on applicants. And credit reports is one area that's quite controversial. Uh, a, a credit report uh, is a type of consumer report, a type of background report, uh, that recently has been receiving a lot of attention from the EEOC because it's potentially discriminatory. Uh, the issue being does a person's uh, credit record have anything to do with whether or not they'll do, uh, do a good job in a bank. And so there's a lot of arguments about that. A credit report used for employment does not have a credit score because a credit score is not relevant to employment. But some people might argue that if a person has a credit history, they don't pay their bills, or they have huge debts, uh, working in a bank may tempt them to steal money. Uh, there's uh, one study that shows uh, the opposite, that a person with a, uh, uh, with a poor credit history tends to do a better job, uh, perhaps because they need the job. So we want to be very careful uh, about the tools that you're using as well. So you don't want to do too little. You don't want to do, do too much. You want to strike the right balance. Uh, most importantly, you want to be able to demonstrate that you have a well-thought-out process, uh, that you involve uh, counsel so that the legal aspects are taken care of, and that uh, as a risk management decision, you're doing what's appropriate to uh, protect your institution, to protect your reputation, to, to protect your workers, and protect your customers. Well, that's wonderful insights. I really appreciate your, your time today and for, for your insights. Again, I think you've just given us some, some great background on background checks. Uh, my pleasure, and uh, always ha happy to be of help. This is Anfield. We've been talking with Les Rosen, attorney and president of Employment Screening Resources. For Information Security Media Group, I want to thank you for joining us today. I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.